Hey folks, it's Jeremy. You're listening to Blamo. How you doing? Isn't it funny that I asked that? Like, I can't even hear you. I, I, don't, I don't even know why I asked how you're doing. I think I'm just trying to be nice. I mean, I do care, right? But, you know, I can't hear you. So, way to go. Hope things are good. If they're bad, hope they're going to get better. New episode this week with Kyle Ng of Braindead. First off, man, I'm, I'm really excited about this episode. This is something we were working on for, geez, for a long time. I mean, I got linked up to him through one person and then linked up to him through another person. And, and let me just say, people are hard to track down. Everyone's busy. We're all doing things. We're making stuff. We, we got calls. We got Zooms. We got, you know. But I, I think we went back and forth on this for a long time. But we did it and we got it. And I'm happy to, to play it this week or, you know, show it to you, whatever. I don't even know how you would say it. But um, a bit about Brain Dead before we jump in. Because for me, I think Brain Dead is a very head scratching, awe inspiring brand. Because um, I don't know, they're not a clothing brand. They're not an outdoors brand. They're not an activation brand. They're not a marketing brand. They, they just kind of, uh, I think they really define what it means to be a brand in uh in 2023 i I mean that like i just it's you know they even now talk about how they're a a collection of artists and designers and i think that's that's up there i mean they they do make clothes they make home goods stuff they've done collabs with the freaking minions they've done you know they do climbing gear they they have a movie theater i mean it's 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 amazing and i genuinely love and admire not just what Kyle and his crew have done, but what, uh, how they've changed what it means to be a brand. And I don't, I'm not going to use the word disruptive because, you know, that's just a buzzy thing, whatever. But I love them. I'm excited. Uh, Kyle and I talked about growing up in the Bay Area, getting into clothes, Japanese outdoor gear, the draw of vintage, the no-hate lifestyle, rock climbing, brain-dead university, and the movies he loves. It was a great pod. So let's dive in. First off, Kyle, thanks for thanks for being here. Brain dead is seriously everywhere, isn't it? I don't know. <laughs> At this point, I have no idea, but I think it's doing pretty good. I guess it's 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 been fun. <laughs> yeah, I can't tell. Humble <laughs> and diplomatic. I appreciate that. Yeah. I do think that Brain Dead has kind of set the standard now for brands that like don't need to be. You know, like you're a clothing brand, but you're not a clothing brand. You know, you make merch. You know, you did stuff with my old colleagues at Beggars. You did like the Bell and Sebastian Matador stuff. But I think in a weird way, it's like you guys broke out of a wall that never existed. Yeah, man. Yeah. How did this, how did all this stuff happen? <laughs> yeah. You know, that. thank you for actually noticing that. That's really cool. Um, <laughs> you know, so people like before, probably like, man, probably 15 to 16 years ago, yeah. um, I started this brand Farm Tactics and like I was, you know, I came to LA to like kind of pursue film and music videos and like, like new media art. And I was just really into art and design. And I met a bunch of people like long story short, I got really interested in, you know, just being into culture. So it was going to music shows, going to art shows, comics, movies, everything. Right. And I met a lot of people like Darren Romanelli, who kind of like brought me under their wing at a very young age, like I had my 21st birthday at his house and like <laughs> he was doing clothing yeah. and like, I didn't really know anything about fashion or streetwear. Like, to be honest, I didn't grow up with like Stussy or anything. And, um, where'd you grow up? I grew up in the Bay area, like Berkeley okay. area. So like I was skating, skateboarding, rollerblading, biking, doing everything, just California kid. And like, that's what we knew is like that and punk rock. 
and like, you know, fashion and streetwear wasn't really a thing. Like where I was, it was just kind of like you had clothes and then you got into vintage because of the music you listened to and like what other kids were wearing was like vintage, right? So, Mm. you know, at that point, then you go into like the city and then you go to like Hage Street and there was streetwear stores, but I still didn't know what it was. I just saw like graphics on a t-shirt, but I really like that brand 2K clothing a lot, if you remember that. So it was like mm-hmm. Deck McFredridge or Bjork shirt. And yeah. that's the stuff I liked. And um, my friend Derek, who was a manager of Giant Robot, you know, from a young age, he kind of like taught me a lot of that stuff. And um, that was my first intro to like clothing, right? Like to like oh, actual damn. product. And when I moved to LA and started hanging out Darren Romanelli, I met people in clothing world. And one guy, um, Steve Trussell, who owned this like fashion um, store called 181 Martel or Naked Gallery. He shared that space with Darren Romanelli and Darren would do activations for like Jordan and he'd recut up jackets and stuff. And I did yeah, a window. He was, and... he was Dr. Romanelli, right? Yeah, yeah Dr. Romanelli. Exactly. Yeah. And he would do like exhibitions for like um, Warner Brothers, you know, like Black Sabbath meets whatever Converse or some shit. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> but basically like I did a sculpture and installation around um, basically uh, Michael Jordan and like his cut up jackets. So it was all Air Jordan stuff. And I did like all these like weird silicone flesh sculptures. Like it was like a doctor's office and like Valentine's Day or something. I forget. It was really weird. <laughs> but then this guy, Stephen Trussell was like, you should do your own clothing stuff. And that's when I started my brand. So end of the day, long story short, you know, throughout, um my career it sounds weird to say like i was really more interested in like vintage stuff and like telling stuff through like fabrics and textiles and um i started this brand access folk technology which is more outdoor focused because i yeah i'm a huge avid climber but it's more from a fashion perspective and then that became more of a menswear thing where we sold to like the mohawks you know the garb stores all those stores and what i realized was going around there was a lack of culture you know in kind of the menswear scene or talking about what you liked right yeah and i just felt like everyone was trying to sign off the boxes of like oh this is what menswear looks like or this is what product is and i'm like showing people and they'd be like oh yeah i have these pants but they're from this brand or whatever and i'm like that's cool right and the more i thought about it i was just like there's something missing in this world right like something's like missing like i can be like oh this is a climbing brand but then the industry of like Right. outdoor culture at that time was like really popular but then it was just like weird right like it didn't speak to me it was a very like granola kind of like it was the kind of like the heritage meets outdoor world if that made sense and i'm like this is cool but it didn't really speak to me and then the only thing cool you would think about was like what's happening in japan right you're like oh well yeah. in japan they had mana stash and all this thing so it was like japanese outdoor wear and you're like that's weird that it's like japanese outdoor and brain was kind of this mixture of like i guess quote unquote japanese outdoor but it's all made here so it was just like a really weird place for me because like we did well, but, you know, Japan didn't really see it. They didn't really understand it because it's like, wait, this is kind of like what we do, but not <laughs> America got it and Europe got it. But I was just like, I want to show the stuff that I love, like ceramics. And I love all this like cultural stuff. And yeah. at the same time, um, I was special projects manager for Urban Outfitters when they're trying to open without walls. So that was the outdoor side of their business that they're trying to do. Because they Whoa. saw what I was doing. Yeah. Wait, how, so how, did, how did the Urban Outfitters thing happen? They just hit you up? Man, so... I didn't know you I were did, riding two lines. <laughs> yeah, so when I was at Farm Tactics, or when I was doing Farm Tactics, just me, they really liked Farm Tactics, and they're like, we should do Diffusion Line. So I did a weird Diffusion Line called Field Study a long time ago, and that mm. was cool. And then they gave me this um, gallery space 
in their old space called 1520 in Los Angeles. It was like this huge shopping center. And they had this dedicated space where they did pop-ups. And I did a pop-up called Field Study, which was like my curation of what I thought like an outdoor store should be. And at the time, there wasn't like cool guy outdoor stores. So yeah. like we were carrying my brand Farm Tactics. I had like I had like um, Ether. I had Cremici, like Native Shoes, like uh, just a bunch of Fjall Raven, like all these products. Yeah, great brands, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. at the time, it's just like, you know, and I carried like handmade ceramics, like certain things that I thought were really cool and kind of mixing that culture, right? And the head of Urban, Ted Marlowe, the CEO at the time was like, this is really cool. Like, this is kind of what we're trying to work on for Urban Outfitters. And they brought me on to consult on their new project, which they thought was going to be a dedicated store, kind of like mm. what they're trying to do with fitness, Lululemon, like to combat that in Under Armour. But then also connect to like the people who are wearing polar and like, you know, like all the other kind of outdoor inspired yeah, products. Like like cool young outdoors, like air quote, right? <laughs> exactly. Yes, yes. So that was really exciting for me because like Kevin Lyons was there at the time and like a lot of really people I really like admired. And it was really cool because at the time I was so broke. I was so like canker sore broke. Like just like Wait, so why were you so out. broke? Just dumping it into the brand? Yeah, just trying to run your own business and not knowing what to do. Like with Farm Tactics, yeah. it's like we had union made, we had all these great stores, but like I didn't know how to run a business, right? Like, mm. and at this time, I was like, cool, I got a job. I'm like, this is like the best thing ever. Like, I'm so happy. And, you know, eventually Without Walls kind of dissipated slowly. And um, I started doing a lot of special projects or pitching concepts. Right. So, right. you know, I just come in and do like, I do like the Mark McNeary, Kazuki Kurashi, the Heather Gray wall pop up at Urban. I worked on the Cray Green Champion project. Oh, just things okay. like that, like high concept things. But at the end of the day, what I realized was Urban Outfitters, like, why are we trying to do all these like higher end brands that like the kids, the customers don't maybe really care about? Like, maybe we care about <laughs> it. But like, sure. if you're like 16, you don't care about Mark McNeary, to be honest. Yeah. Like, or you don't care about like the expensive shit that like, you know, in my like late 20s, I would be like, I'm cool. So I like this. Yes. Um, yeah. Okay. I hear you. And you know, at the time streetwear wasn't, it wasn't what it was. Right. So it's like Bintrill was popping off like hood by air. And there's like that, but urban outfitters right. was trying to be like, urban outfitters trying to be like this, like separate that. Like they wouldn't even like, like something like Huff or someone like, um, I'm just saying like a brand like that, or even Stussy, it was really weird to talk about. Like it was very like, Oh, I don't know. You know what I mean? Like it was very bizarre. So wow. um, yeah, at that time I was just looking at the business and I was just like, I remember walking in the Melrose store and just looking at their t-shirt section and being like, dude, like what are all these graphic t-shirts? Like, I feel like this is their business, but it's all like licensed, like Sriracha t-shirts or like cats with laser beams and shit. And I was like, this doesn't, what is this? Like who, who wants to wear this? You know what I mean? And I thought about that and I'm like, sure, <laughs> this is crazy. And, you know, I was collecting a lot of like Marvel t-shirts at the time. Um, I was collecting a lot of like punk shirts and like, you know, I wore a lot of vintage and I'm like my, um, I was just thinking about all the things online. Like at the time there was like, you know, uh, you know, Jeremy Dean was doing all the like, uh, really early black flag. Yeah, Dean's nuts. Grateful yeah, Dead yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Dean's nuts. Like he did a bunch DeWitt. of the Blamo shirts for us. Yeah. That's he's awesome. Yeah. Like yeah. he's the best. Like, and all these guys started making all these bootleg t-shirts online. Yeah. And 
um, one of my good friends, Elias, bought me a t-shirt by Rat Brain, which is a Patagonia Hellraiser t-shirt. And that kind of flipped the script to me where I was like, these are two things I love. Like, this is something that's like the new future that's not streetwear. It's like merchandise for the things I love, right? Yeah, and it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I can love fashion and I can love nice things, but t-shirts are not just about like the commodity of streetwear. It's like, it represents the things that I love. The way I would wear like a Godflesh t-shirt or whatever. Yeah. And yeah. that was the clicking moment to me where I pitched this project called um, Open Source, where it was like taking all these people and putting, um, curating them where they have a place to sell their product. But it's just like this idea of like kind of like new, the new ideas, like the internet opens like references and sources and like, you know, interests where that's the new community. Right. And right. Okay. the CEO was like, this is great. And then um, Meg Hain, the owner, was like, this sucks. And like <laughs> canceled it and basically brained it originally. I was told, no, it's funny. Brained it originally started from there. And basically, I met my partner, Ed Davis, the co-founders, doing that project. And it, we started it for Urban Outfitters. And fortunately, it got canceled. And I was really pissed. And you got to think about it. At the time, I'm like showing at Capsule Trade Show. Yep. And Angelo um, uh, from uh, Engineer Garments, he basically was like, dude, I like what you're doing. Like, what if you curated like a whole show of your African movie posters and ceramic? Just do whatever you want. No, not him. Um, sorry, Capsule did that. They're like, we want you to do a market of all the yeah. stuff you like that like you could sell stuff. So I'm like, oh, cool. I'll call it the branded market. And it's just all these things like African beaded necklaces. African Ghana movie posters, really beautiful wood carvings from my friend Waka Waka, just like a mixture of craft, design, lowbrow, highbrow, zines, etc. Like punk meets folk. And right. um, yeah, Angelo from Engineer Garments was like, dude, we love this. We want you to do a branded installation at Nepenthes. And at the same time, Beam sees this, Mohawk sees this, and we put on our first art show with Mohawk. So that first year was like, is like supposed to get Urban Outfitters. And then the other, other side, it just turned into like the top tier stores in the world carrying <laughs> brain dead. And we are so grateful for that. And it just worked out because I'm like, well, they know me from my other product. But the way I described it to them was like, hey, this is not streetwear. This is like merchandise for your life, right? Like your culture. So it's like a graphic t-shirt that goes beyond just like a reference that's so on the nose. It's about the things that we love. You know what I mean? Because right. there wasn't like house music based product or like references to like, um, you know, Joseph Boyce or like, you know, whoever, like high end art or high con conceptual art wasn't considered part of the streetwear vocabulary, right? As much um, besides like Supreme doing like Baldessari or something. But it was really weird in the beginning, like places like Goodhood were like, oh, we don't know if we want to carry Brain Dead because it's the graphic t-shirts. We don't want to carry graphic t-shirts. Like, Graphic t-shirts were seen as like very a no-no still. And like, mm. luckily there's some like fearless people who gave into what we did. But like, I just kind of did graphic t-shirts as the way of saying menswear at the time felt soulless. And I wanted to bring back a cultural side to it and just focus on the cultural side and then work my way back and then start making apparel again. Once I feel like I've set the flag into the cultural side and showed my interest and kind of create that narrative. Right. And yeah, I mean, that's a 4D chess, man. Yeah. And then basically <laughs> build a brand based off culture rather than just apparel. Like apparel is just as important to my life as film, books, comics, or whatever. But like 
it's not just about selling you fashion product or following fashion trend. It's about what I want for my life just as much as I want, you know, like records. Right. Yeah. I mean, that, that makes a, a lot of sense because it's interesting. You had mentioned the vintage stuff and then the vintage inspired stuff. And it's like, why is it that, you know, no one wants to buy like a new Budweiser t-shirt, right? But if it's an old vintage shirt and it says Budweiser on it, people are like, let me get that. Like wh- what, it, what is the draw of old in a way or vintage? Well, I think there's a few things because, you know, vintage changes every 20 years, right? Like, you yeah, know, we do fair. the Oakley factory project and that's considered like a heritage project, right? <laughs> like <laughs> crazy. But I think the thing about it is just like the idea of um, it, it holds a soul to it. There's context and authenticity to it. Once it lasts a certain amount of time, you can reassess it and be like, wow, that was really cool. You know what I mean? And it's the same thing. I think like if you're creating something super new or super progressive, your ideas are harder because you're bringing something new to the table, right? Something about vintage is that it already has a pre-context that it's cool or that it like you remember like, oh, wow, like, you know, James Dean looked really cool in those jeans. Or mm-hmm. the leather jacket mm-hmm. looks really good on Marlon Brando. Like, you know in your head that's what it could look like. But if you're wearing something or you see something and you can't visualize it besides yourself and it's new, people yeah. will have to question it because the confidence level of most consumers are not to that level of, like, trusting the instinct, if that makes sense. They need to, like, mirror it. And that's why Instagram, you know, like, influencers... And talking about their daily life is so important now is because it makes people feel all right to like do things or like try restaurants or whatever. Like most people are not ready to venture out into new things, if that makes sense. No, I mean, you're, you're totally right. Like we were literally having this conversation on the, on like the Blamo Slack, whatever today, where people are talking about like things and, and like the quote, pulling things off. Right. And someone had said, and I'm not putting them on blast because it, it made a lot of sense where they were like, oh, you know, there's these brands that like, I don't feel like I could wear, but you know, I'll follow, you know, and so I'm like back and forth with this person on DM and they're like, well, well, I follow this person and I see how they wear it. And then I feel like, okay, doing it. And I'm like, well, like, what about this person that you've never met makes, makes it feel like that it's okay for you to wear it? Like, what about just fucking doing it? You know, and I recognize that that, you know, a lot of people have confidence issues, including yours truly. I want to be very clear. You know, I've had all sorts of body image and identity issues for sure. But like, I do feel like it's so important to be finding someone else that looks like they can do it first or do it better. And then then that way you don't, you know, but like, because the whole concept of just pulling it off always like it really doesn't sit well with me. It's just like, just fucking go. And I actually don't think, you know, again, when I say confidence issue, I don't think it's a bad thing. I think it's just like, it's more just that we need to see. It's like the monkey when they crack the coconut, they realize they all can have the tools to do it. You know what I mean? It's like that meta where it's like, if someone does something, like it immediately like exceeds and like progresses faster. Like, I think that's how it is, right? Like, it's like, oh, this is where we are. This is where it can go, right? And we're at a very progressive time, especially now. But I think at the end of the day, it's like, like you always know that wearing like really nice pair of jeans and a white t-shirt will always look cool. You know what I mean? Like that's historically cool. And that's awesome. (laughs) Yeah. You know what I mean? But like, if you're wearing some crazy avant-garde outfit, it could look awesome. Or if you don't look confident in it, it might look bad. So it's all about confidence. It's like, 
Even if it's like the craziest fit, if you have confidence, it looks great. What gave you confidence to do this stuff? I don't or know. Who? I think I'm just kind of dumb. I think I'm just literally like, <laughs> I think, um, I think it's really just proving to myself. Like, I don't really have like, I don't see a lot of risk. You know what I mean? I think like I'm right. Re- I'm, mm. I'm, I'm willing just to do the thing and failure is like something I've just dealt with my whole life. You know what I mean? Like I was really bad at school. I was really bad at like all these things. But then like, I feel like I don't look at things as like failures. I look at things as just like learning opportunities. And when you do it, there's always something you take away and get better. Right. Who taught you that? I mean, that's, that's pretty heady to, to, to distance yourself from failure itself and look at it as to learn. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I think it was just the idea of like, you know, I think, Again, growing up in the world that I grew up, whether it's music or skating or whatever, you have to constantly fail. And, you know, you you get excited when you get to the point and actually do it for real. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah. And that's all you look for. Like my end goal of business is not like to make as much money as possible and sell the company. It's like it's an ongoing process that will make you happy in the moment of doing it. Right. And you have to remember that even if it's the most stressful thing, you realize that's the process. And I think that's what makes me happy. So, you know, the confidence, again, what I say is ignorance is just like, I'm not saying I'm like uber confident, but I'm, I'm happy just to do it and fail if I need to. Yeah. Do you think that there is a standard that you set that let you all be a brand that can exist across like every medium? I mean, like a standard from ourselves? Yeah. Like an example, I was talking to a friend of mine. He runs, he's up there at a very, very large clothing company. And he was like, you know, I really wish we had, you know, the nimbleness of a brand like Braindead who can make, you know, merch for a band, cookware, shoes, and, you know, paint. And and no one's going to be like, oh yeah, that doesn't make sense. People are like, oh yeah, that makes perfect sense because that's Braindead. They just do that, you know? And he was just like, what is it, you know, he's like, what did they do that we haven't figured out? (laughs) Oh, that's cool. Um, I mean... I think the thing about that, you know, is really um, because it's that it's that like ethos. Right. And trust me, it was probably like 2019 when that really clicked or 2020. Like mm-hmm. I still did early accessories and we still developed like had art shows, et cetera. But to be honest, like until 2019, I didn't feel I still felt like there was a formula to what we were doing, to be honest. It was just like, mm. yeah, art is really cool. Blue Chips art is really cool. Book fair is really cool. You know, like records and zines are cool. Post punk's cool. Like I knew like (laughs) the cool, but in 2020, when everything hit the fan with all the political uprising, I felt like I could just be myself. And I felt like I was just spouting my mouth and just being straight up who I am and like not really worried about what people thought. And, you know, even the rollerblading stuff, it's like people hate rollerblading and people hate it. It's a tough sport. Yeah, people hated a lot of things like that. But then I realized it's like, yo, like if I'm talking politically about like helping, you know, the black community and talking about diversity and talking about like whatever, if I was like overthinking what people thought, if I didn't talk about rollerblading or talk about the nerdy shit I liked or the other parts of my life, I'd be a fake. You know what I mean? I'd just be mm. building a uh, an aesthetic that you only saw this like curated version of my life. Like what interests me is the fact that like if I can post something that shows who I really am, that you either don't like it or like it. You might think it sucks. You might love it. But at the end of the day, if you like that, it really resonates with you because someone's speaking for you, right? You're like, wow, that guy really like 
gets me and they make all this clothes. Like I think about it where it's like, we can sell to a really great store like Dover Street Market, but then we're also speaking to someone who's like severely hated on at a skate park or something like, and I like <laughs> really love that. And I love that. They're like, oh no, like what the skaters think is cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, or whatever. This rollerblader guy is like, no, but like this brand speaks for me. And now it's awesome. Now they're like in the New York Times, you know, there's an article about it. And it's like, that makes me so happy because it's like, you're actually trying to, and I don't mean like I'm trying to be taste making, but it's like, that's actually what taste making would be, you know, in the full scheme of it. It's like changing people's outlooks on what could be done. And I think that's the test for me is not just to be like edgelord or contrarian, but it's just like, why isn't these things acceptable in culture? And how do you elevate it for a community that deserves more? If that makes sense. No, it, it makes a lot of sense. I think it just goes against a lot of capitalist mindsets in the sense. And by the way, I am, am all on your team. So hear me when I say this. You know, a lot of brands, clothing brands specifically, you spend a lot of money to acquire a customer. And then the goal is to spend less money to acquire new customers and that each customer is going to spend more and more money on you. And the interesting thing with brain dead is there's not... The only thing that Braindead has in common with things that Braindead makes is the fact that it's called Braindead, right? But it's not like, ooh, I got the shirt. Now I need the jacket. Ooh, I got the shoes. Now it's just like, and it's such like this amalgamation. And I think you're right, like, because you kept saying culture, you know, over and over again. I'm like, oh shit, like, that's, that's got to be it. Because other brands, like, like a COO would come in and be like, what the fuck? Like, we need to be making more money off these. We need to sell more of these shirts and make more money off the guy who's going to buy the jacket and make them feel that they're not complete until they have everything. But in a lot of ways, having one thing of your brand may make you not want to have something else of it. Like I'm not a rollerblader. I'm not going to buy that stuff. Yeah. I mean, no shots. No, that's perfect. But that's the whole point. Is yeah, that, like, that's it's great. I'm not, I'm not trying to create, like we're all different people, right? Like we're all yeah. different. We all have different hobbies. You might be like a compulsive gambler and then also love like Godard films. But you also might just like <laughs> love Mountain Dew and then, you know, just like watching Twitch. Like, I have no yeah. idea. But then the day, <laughs> it's like, I don't want to create a formula that's what it's like. We want to create the playground for the, uh, I don't want to call them customers, but like the people who want to participate within Brain Dead to feel like they make the decision with Brain Dead, right? Yeah. yeah it's yeah. like, it's their choice. And what it is, it's like, whatever I like, I'm going to just talk about it. And if you like it, that's cool. If you don't, it's all good. But I like, I'm like, I always say this when like, I meet someone like, I always say about this guy I went to film school with and he was like really into kayaking, like competitive kayaking. Like they'll do like the tricks, like in the like weird. I didn't even know that was a thing. Era. Yeah, I'm, it was I'm awesome. Shocked. And I was like obsessed with him talking about it. Cause he's talking about like doing barrel rolls and shit. And I was like, <laughs> yo, like that's crazy. And you just tell me all about it. I'm like, I will never do this. But I'm like, the passion for this that no one cares about is so cool. And mm. I just remember always thinking about that. And like thinking about when you talk to someone who has a different interest than you do, and you learn from it. And then you're like, wow, that's cool. Like, I don't look at him like he's lame because he doesn't get what I like. I like him because yeah. he so likes what he likes. You know what I mean? And you should consider going more into politics then. I mean, that's a very healthy mindset of just respect. <laughs> yeah, it's just respect. And it's just like, I love that about people. So why wouldn't there be a brand that speaks that? And I think, you know, again, not to like throw shade at uh, people or companies, but it's like, it just feels so formulaic now what people do. And like, even the haters of me, it's just like, 
the funny thing is when they say like, oh, you guys do this or this. I'm like, yeah, cool. Like, would you <laughs> say that to me if that was me as a person? You know what I mean? Like, Ooh. I'm just saying like, but you yeah. know what I'm saying? It's like people have decisions because mm-hmm. they think they know what a brand should be. But at the end of the day, it's like it they don't realize that it's a brand should be like a person. It should be like, oh, you just have different thoughts than I do. That's cool. Like, I don't actively yeah. hate any brands because it's like, they're just doing what they want. And like, that's cool with me. I don't try to hate on people if I don't know them. If they suck and they're mean. Yeah, you suck. But like, <laughs> if you're just like some brand, it's like, cool, just do your thing. Like, I don't know you. Like, you might have reasons that you do certain things. Like, maybe your whole job is to support your family. Why would mm-hmm. I shit on you? Like, you know, if you just want to sell to Walmart, like, yeah, we have different ethics, but you probably are like, but my mom has cancer and I really just need to make money. Great. That sounds awesome. You did the right thing. But you know mm-hmm. what I mean? It's like, I cannot judge without context and everything should have context. That's it. Oh man. That's heavy, heavy stuff. <laughs> like in the, in the best possible way. I, I, wait, 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 wait a second. I got to get my bids in on the bezel app, but more on that in, in a minute. I get all sorts of emails and questions from you all, which I love to read and respond. And one thing I constantly get and even read in the Blamo Slack is what watch should I buy and where should I get it? It's a wild world out there with all sorts of websites and shops, but I go to Bezel. Bezel is the trusted marketplace for buying and selling your next luxury watch with expert in-house authentication on every purchase. First off, folks, it's getbezel.com. That's getbezel.com. But I use and recommend Bezel because it's the best of both worlds. You can go to the site and browse a marketplace of luxury watches, over 16,000 of them, by the way, which is a lot. And I know that Bezel is going to authenticate your purchase. Or you can create an account and get connected with your own private client advisor called the concierge. Because look, making a watch purchase can be confusing, especially when you don't know all the reference numbers. When was this made? Did they use ceramic then? Is it a triple lop, dingle top? You know, what the heck? I don't even know. But they do at Bezel, and they're here to help. Concierge, baby. Look, if looking for your watch to mark a special occasion, or maybe you're just doing research, right? They even have their own journal where you can learn all the ins and outs about Bezel and the brands and all the stuff that's happening right now. But back to my bids. Yes, Bezel now has auctions, and not just any auctions. They got Rolex, they got Cartier, they got Audemars Piguet, all the big dogs, and more. So you can discover, bid, and know the Bezel team has got your back with verified in-house authentication. So visit getbezel.com on your smartphone or computer, Bezel, the trusted marketplace for buying or selling your next luxury watch. So with this stuff in mind, in the, in the sense that almost everything's on the table all the time, I'm sure you get a lot of opportunities thrown at you. Are there things that you use to judge whether or not something is brain dead or not? You know what? So, <laughs> there are definitely times where, where you push the border where it could get fringe. But <laughs> I think there's okay. a time where like, at the same time, like, I don't care. You know what I mean? Like, I think there's things that like, if I don't like it, I won't do it. And that's what I realize is the key. It's like, I actually don't like this. You Are you I mean? like judge and jury on that? Or is it, I mean, cause you talk a lot about, or well, the, the brand talks a lot about as like a collective. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm kind of judge and jury of it. Yes. Yeah, yeah. That's good to know. Well, I mean, cause I think you do need in a way guidance. You can't have, not that this is, but you can't have this like form of like, you know, um, democratic chaos. Right. You know, I mean, having 
focus and a person that is like overall the vision of something, I think also, at least for someone like me, who's constantly trying to put things in a box just so I can have a better understanding of it, knowing that brain dead is Kyle helps me be like, oh, this is Kyle. This, you know, I can see that line now. Well, I think the collective part of brain dead is really also like, I, you know, whether I'm working on all the product or not, that's not the point, Mm -hmm. right? Like it's not, it's not, again, like, it's not like I am brain dead. It's that like, I'm helping move the ship of brain dead. But at the end of the day, it's like, if we're using art from B. Tom Stevenson or Kogan or whoever, it's like, they're part of brain dead too. Like that's their art. You know what I mean? Like, I'm just collaborating with them. Like, you know, like, yes, it's our company. But like, to me, like anyone who makes products, like our cutters, our sewers, like they're making that product. They're making the decisions of what it turns out to be. Because, you know, a lot of people try to have too much control of stuff. And to me, that's the failure of it. It's like, has to be like, like chemicals. It's like, you know, at the end of the day, like, like we're, I'm just a topping. Like I, I help make the pizza. It's it's a pizza, if that makes sense, right? Like it's still pizza. Yeah, no, I get it. That. Like I don't know what to say. It's like it's just like it's like yes, I'm telling you, I don't want dog shit on the pizza. But at the end of the day, it's like there's pepperoni and all these things. Like you know what I mean? Does that make sure. sense? Like it's just like yeah, yeah, yeah. But you're not like oh that guy makes you know like oh like I need that pizza made by Kyle. It's like right. He's not making all pizza. Like there's a guy at the restaurant who's making that pizza. That chef curate like create the recipes but at the end of the day it also matters what salami's on there if it's good salami you know if it's really good cheese that will make the difference our ingredients are great and our ingredients are part of the business and that is that makes up what the whole is if that makes sense sounds like you're getting ready for more food stuff yeah we always love pizza food. on the brain yeah i love pizza but <laughs> trying to cut down <laughs> yeah that being said like if you know, it's, it sounds like you're involved in so many of these things. Like, what are you doing to just disconnect? Or are you even able to? I mean, I think, like, we love this stuff. You know, my best friend, um, Aaliyah, who lives in um, Italy, like, I work with my best friends, you know, and like, mm-hmm. him and I work all day. We work, he works till 4am, he lives in Italy, you know, he's always talking to us. But the thing about it is just like, we're just grinding it out because we enjoy it and love it. You know, I have right. a lot of hobbies. But to be honest, like, I pretty much add all my hobbies to the business. You know what I mean? Like, it's just like part of it. It's a good luxury. So, you know, things I do that's not branded. I love painting Warhammer. I love reading books. I love art books. I love, you know, I love amusement parks and I love like things like that and like researching about that stuff. Like things that are just like so mundane to like, you know, that's so the antithesis of what I can do with branded, but still inspires me. And I love like fishing and tennis and climbing, you know, just the regular stuff. Yeah. I mean, that's not regular Sport. for most people, yeah. it's, but it's fantastic. Like, okay. So brain dead university is opening up next month. I'm, <laughs> I'm making this up for folks who are listening. That's, this is not actually true. And the syllabus comes out and people are trying to figure out what are the books that they got to read that is going to help them understand brain dead university. You've mentioned some serious, if you know, you know, artists, as we were talking, what, what books would be uh, the stuff that the students have to get at Braindead University? Man, I mean, I think for me, the, the things that really inspire me is just, um, I was really into um, Matthew Barney, The Cream Master Cycle. I remember when I was in high school, I had like this allowance and I bought the Matthew Barney Cream Master Cycle book at Barnes & Noble because it looked so crazy. But when you see Matthew Barney's work, he's like a multi-media um, artist. He makes films, sculptures, music, everything. He's just an incredible artist. Um, but the thing I loved about him was that it was the body of work was not only film, 
but it was sculpture, it was dance, it was performance, he had climbing in it. Like it just spoke to the idea that it opened the door for me that um one thing doesn't have to be a th- you don't just have to be a sculptor or a photographer or filmer. It's like it's about the the full gamut of what you make, right? Yeah, because it's basically all about creation. Exactly. I mean, the book and stuff. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. that's that's that was like a really big um book on just an artist that really inspired me to do what I do. Um I have this I'm obsessed with this artist and graphic designer Bruno Minari from Italy. He was mm-hmm. like this crazy yeah, designer and, you know, theorist almost, I would say, philosopher too. Just then he did a lot of things within the kids, like creative world, like book publishing, thinking about like different workshops of how to like inspire mostly children too, like their minds. Like he had these things called the tactile workshops and um, would just constantly push the boundaries of what publication could be. And I think mm-hmm. that's really important. You know, um, and then I'd say another really important book to me was, um, you know, the I there's this book called The Vatican to Vegas, which is um, a Norman Klein book. And basically it just talks about special effects in our culture and the idea of like thinking about Las Vegas as an illusion and like special effects and as well as like different things like um frescoes and like all these things and like the the wow. idea of mixing like city walk at universal studios and like las vegas and talking about like beautiful roman architecture like that just inspires me there's an element where it's like thinking about the world differently and like Ro- sure. norman klein was really good at kind of like breaking down contemporary culture and reimagining it and he used to teach at cal arts but um he's super inspiring to me did you go to cal arts i didn't go to college but like he oh. um i had I basically got recruited when I was in high school and moved here. I left high school and did an independent study course and um, basically like got recruited to USC because I was making this art piece for this other show. And one of my friend's um, parents were a teacher at USC and she's like, you should check out our school. So I went to this like, um, just like, I don't even know what it's called. Like they just invited me over to their school and basically were like, hey, like I would love for you to show your resume or your reel, whatever you have your portfolio. And I showed them. And then they're like, we love this. Like what college do you go to? And I'm like, I I'm in high school. And basically like, <laughs> well, this is the master's program for new media arts. Like you could take a bachelor's and like, you'll be good. And my dad's super pumped. He went to Stanford and like, he thought I was going to be a loser and just like not do shit with my life. But then this is like the big validation. Like, Oh, cool. Like, Suck it, dad. My son figured this out. <laughs> and then the teachers grabbed me. And we're like, hey, come to lunch with us. And this guy, Julian Bleeker, means so much to me. This amazing dude. He was like, hey, if you come to the school and you go to the bachelor's, you're going to hate it because you know what you want to do. If you do it, you're just going to be around a bunch of kids who are just like unfocused. Like you should just come and hang out with us and like work out of our studio downtown and we'll teach you whatever we know. And that's what I did. And I met all these kids and like like older kids and they taught me all this stuff like Norman Klein, like. They taught me about Jonathan Gold, the food critic. They taught me about all the culture I knew. I went to like Linz, Austria to learn about, uh, you know, new media art. I went to South by Southwest for technology conferences. Like I was 19 and it opened my eyes from a way more mature perspective of like what art could be in culture. And that really kind of changed a lot of my thought process of thinking about things. Yeah, I mean, that's, I, I think just the fact that you knew what you wanted, you know, I mean, because I will say this too, and I've said this before on on the pod, like, I didn't go to college either. Like, I, I moved to New York 
when I was 18. And I actually, I was like, I'm going to be a musician. Like my dad was a musician, all this stuff. You know, I was like, I'm going to play music. This is all I want. This is all I want to do. There's nothing more important than this. I just have to play, you know. And the weird thing though that happened is, so I felt that like, oh, I surrounded myself by all these people who really poured into me and, and taught me. And like, I felt like I was enlightened and all this stuff. And, um, you know, but still sometimes in the back of my head, whenever shit gets like really scary, personally, I'm like, because I didn't fucking go to college, man. <laughs> like so, so, something's going to happen. No one's going to listen to this show anymore. Someone's, you know, something's going to happen. And then I'm going to try, you know, I'm going to be in a fucking bread line and they're going to be like, oh, dude, you didn't go to school. You got to go over there. And yeah. and it's over. And like, I, I don't know if you ever have this, but like, I have it often. Like, have you ever like just felt like fear? Not at all. I mean, it's also a West Coast. Fucking thing. hell. What's, what is wrong York, with you? How do you have this I power? I think New York's super <laughs> academic, but like, California yeah, is just sure. like so free and cowboy. And like, I think maybe I just was in the wrong spot. <laughs> like, when I have kids, I'm not going to even make them even think about college. I think it's like, I really believe that like there's a sense of culture. Like, I don't drive either. So it's like, I would go around oh. and like take a bus everywhere, walk everywhere. And like, I learned so much from that. That's how I met all these people. And um, that's the most important part, just being in the streets and like experiencing it. You know? Yeah, no, I mean, I, I wholeheartedly agree. And, and I think it's, it's very interesting to see where higher education, I'm air quoting, will evolve to over time. Because yeah. I do think, because you had a higher education, I want to be very clear, yeah. it was not the traditional, formalized higher education. I think knowing what you want to do and finding a way to learn more is the most important thing, right? I mean, all of us are looking for some ways to equip ourselves with additional information so we can pursue what we love you just had this ability to know ahead of time well it's crazy because like if you ask me like what do you think for education it's like what do you want to be a doctor yeah you have to go to like a really good school like that's yeah. given but for a long ass time if you're talking about <laughs> in the arts i think it's good if you want to meet people and you want like you're conceptually interested in an artist that works there or like you want to mm -hmm. learn theory that's great but like you know, I think trade schools and like community college is awesome. I think it's more affordable. Agreed. I think it's like, if you want to like my girlfriend, like she wants to get into photography and she like, you know, she watched this master's class and then now she like, dude, they're so good. They're so good. And she learned how to <laughs> shoot photographs. They're beautiful. And like, it's crazy because she shot some of our catalog because we had to rush it. I'm like, damn, this looks fucking good. And I'm like, <laughs> you know what I mean? I was like, not shocked because I knew she was talented, but I could tell like the difference yeah. of like when she just got her first camera. And then when she like learned and actually did this, it's like, dude, like this is better than most photographs I see in the world that we're in. And I'm like so proud of her because it's like, it's just, you have to click your mind to be like, I'm doing it right. Like it mm. has to go down and it's, it's more will than actually learning. You know what I mean? If that makes sense. It's like more like, uh, I know exactly what you mean. Yeah. I am willing to do this until, you know, like I'm willing to fail. I'm willing to try. That's the most important part. Yeah. I mean, I think just putting yourself in and around that, you know, I think, and, and also eventually being, being okay with what progress you want to have, right? Because I think a lot of people, they think, you know, whether it's any sort of internship or anything like that, you're like, okay, I'm here. And can I, can I become a master in three months? Yeah. Like, can I, you know, can I do this? And I think that that's more of the level setting where it's like, well, no, but you can still equip yourselves to know how to learn you know, and to know how to keep learning versus yep. 
I'm here for three months or I took a master class and now I'm a better photographer. Yeah, yeah. Like obviously she was doing other things to continue honing her skills. It wasn't just she watched the video. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, because I mean, that's happened too, where people like, you know, when I, I worked in the music business for a while and there were interns that came in and they were like, yeah, I'm going to intern here for three months and I'm going to start my own label and peace out. And I'm like, well, I think you should try to hang on as long as you can and like just learn as much as you can versus feel like you can get it all Exactly. So quickly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, as like the business is expanding, like you got in, you know, the Fairfax theater, there's festivals, there's all this. Do you feel like there's anything that you feel like you wouldn't ever touch? I mean, I don't know, never touch, but um I think it's just like when we feel like it shows us excitement or enjoyment, like we'll do it. I think um, you know, now I'm just more trying to hone in on the stuff we have and not worry about like mm. expansion, but just more right. the idea like, can we do this? And does it make sense? You know, it's like working out. Like the more you work out, the more like you're strong and, you know, your goals are higher and higher, right? So if you're lifting weights after a while, you can lift higher weights, like like heavier things. And yeah, yeah, yeah. For what we did was we took huge swings, but I think all those swings were methodical that I knew we can do it, if that makes sense. Like I knew like, Having a movie theater, it's like I look at a movie theater and be like, okay, well, this movie theater only made money off popcorn, films, and tickets, right? (laughs) So how the hell could this stay alive? Like if I could take my brand, put a store in here, and then do that with popcorn, tickets, and, you know, whatever, beverages, that makes more sense to me, right? And then it's, you know what I mean? It's like, that's just the business of it. It's like there's a business and then there's a better version of the business because you have more product to sell for that business to survive, right? That doesn't seem that hard. So that's great. You know what I mean? And I think that was calculated, you know, not like super methodical, but but I'm just like, I I can see the journey for that. Um, Right. And yeah, that's really it. I, you know, I think, you know, we don't put on our own full music festivals right now, like Coachella, because I don't know that's what we're supposed to do. I don't know if that's our expertise, but um, right, right. we can host or curate shows and do things, you know? I think that's cool. Yeah. In terms of like the film stuff, I mean, you sound like you're quite quite the film buff. Like, are there are there specific films that you constantly reference or rewatch a lot? Um, There is, yeah, a bunch of films. Um, I mean, it just depends what I'm interested in. Like, I have my favorite films and then I have like um, films that really inspire me for what I, you know, what I do or love. Um, what are your favorite films? Okay, so probably some of my favorite films are like, I love that documentary, The Act of Killing. I'm not sure if you've seen it, but basically it's I a documentary. Um, it's incredible. You should see it, but it's really crazy. Um, and then I love The Master by uh, P.T. Anderson, which is like an incredible oh, film. Yeah. Obviously like Aliens, one of my favorite films because it's so inspiring just from like the design to the direction to everything about it. And then, um, yeah. I mean, I'm I'm just obsessed with so many different types of genres. Like, I love Jean Tati. Uh, yeah, yeah. I watched um, Playtime. Playtime. Playtime's insane. If you watch the making of Playtime, it's even better because it's like crazy how they made it. Yeah, because it's. I mean, and I'll. This is not a spoiler. I mean, because first off, anyone who watches Tati, there is no plot. Like, it's yeah. it's just you're just viewing, you know, a, a situation. But um, that he built like a fucking city. It was like at, I think for a long time it was the largest film set ever. Well, supposed to be like modern Paris. And it's insane because yeah. they cover the Eiffel Tower. Like the whole point is like to like hide the Eiffel Tower and everything was like a glass room. And yeah, it's insane. Like it's that's what I'm trying to say. It's like a gesture is more important sometimes than the final product. And I think I think about that a lot with our business where it's like, what are the gestures we can make that says something that makes you feel crazy? 
that makes you feel like it's exciting. You know what I mean? Like, oh, wow, like they did this one project. That's cool. But that's like this Tati making like a whole city. He doesn't need to do that. No, clearly not. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it, and I think there's, there's at the time, because what that movie came out, oh, it's French New Wave, I guess. So it's late 60s. And there was a lot of other films that, you know, were going on that for m- most people and, and a larger audience was far more interesting. And I think that's something that I always think about, like to have the confidence in yourself as a creator. I mean, because this was kind of his, I don't know, it was it was definitely one of the latter ones. It was after like Mon Kel and a lot of the other things. So, I mean, there's there was so much, you know, practice that he had done, but still the fact that like it was made the way he made it, I think just shows so much confidence. What I think a big theme of things that I love are also just like lowbrow meets highbrow. Like it's the idea of the name brain dead. It's just like, it's so <laughs> stupid, but we also might just release like a $320 Italian made clog. Like yeah. someone would be like, that's stupid. Why would I buy something called Brain Dead? It's like, that's the whole point is that like Mont like Mongol or Playtime, it's like they're Mr. Magoo films. They're just like they are. Yeah, yeah. They're yeah. slapstick exactly right. humor. But it's done with such high concepts that that's what's cool about it. It's not worried about like, oh, you gotta take me seriously. Like I'm an artist. I'm an artist. Like I'm cool. Like it's like, whoa, what? Okay. Like it's fun and playful. And I think that's the main part. Or like Paul Verhoeven films. When he started making films in America, he chose to make Hollywood films. He wasn't like he was an auteur of cinema. Right. And then right. he makes Starship Troopers, Robocop, and um <laughs> it's true. you know, all these crazy things. And it's it's really incredible, you know? And yeah. I don't know. Like I think that's really beautiful. Like I think that that's like the highest form of art because how many people have been like, oh, dude, that's such a dumb movie. I love it. Like, Starship Troopers is like crazy action. But you're like, dude, it's actually like a genius film. <laughs> yeah, it's it's true. I mean, that movie, a, a buddy of mine, I've never seen this. And like, don't hang up out of, you know, getting pissed off of this. I, there's a movie called like Master and Commander, The Far Side of the World or whatever, which supposedly so many people just love and adore. And it's like, and I was like, why is it? And he was like, dude, it's just like hanging out with your boys and you're on and you're on a boat like that's the movie like you got to watch the movies like Paul Bettany's in it and Russell and I'm just like but it's I don't know I was like didn't that movie bomb and it's interesting because he really made me kind of revisit like what what makes something like a good movie like for me like all my favorite movies are to be honest probably the lowest rate on Rotten Tomatoes right yeah I, I love like Sinbad's house guests I love heavyweights I love Big Trouble in Little China is one of yeah. my favorite movies ever you know um it's it just I loved the you, you know, I and then I then I loved like Enter the Dragon, right? Like I just wanted to learn. I wanted to be like a ninja when I was little, and then I wanted to be Sinbad because it was cool. Like, and so for some reason, like I'm like stunted emotional growth, where that for me is like the best thing ever. Someone, you know, will sit down and put on I don't know Citizen Kane, and I'm like, dude, but House Guest, we could watch. Yeah, House I mean, Guest they're great instead. films. There are it's <laughs> it's what it's built for, right? Like they all have different purposes. I think that's the thing. Yeah. It's like I just enjoy playtime because it is a slapstick, but with that creative twist that I enjoy, right? Or like, yeah, you know, like, um, you know, Alien. It's like it works on so many different levels. Like, it's really awesome. And it's really amazing as a horror sci-fi film, but also just yeah. like from an artistic perspective, you're like, dude, like this is insane. They made this. You know what I mean? Like, this is the culmination of so many creatives making like the perfect product. Did you like Prometheus? I love, see, I'll, I love all alien films. So that's what I say. Like, I don't care. Like, 
like to me, they're all different genres. So like the first one's a horror film, the second one's an action yep. film, third's an art house film, and the fourth is a uh, French kind of like dark comedy, right? So it's like if you look at it that way, it's it's great. It's a serialized book. The way comics come out with different like uh you know like different storylines that could be like written by different authors, right? Like yeah. Yeah. If you get a Grant Morrison Superman, that will be different than a uh, Frank Miller Superman or something. Yeah, it's true. I mean, with with all this stuff being said, I mean, you 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 basically like solely imbue positive vibes at all times. Like, are there any things that you don't like? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot I hate. It just really depends. <laughs> I don't know, like off the top, like I hate this, I hate this, I hate this. But well, I'm not looking for you to just hate on things, but it's I think you have a very charismatic. Um, infectious personality of just admiration of all stuff yeah like I mean, you know you you seem like the evangelist of all your friends no i mean i think the thing is like i love the things that i love and like i think the things i don't like is when things just feel like um it's just formulaic it's just like i hate the too cool thing if it's feels like it's built from a um from some like very obvious source material if that makes sense you know i mean where it just feels like it's not sincere right right yeah, I mean, I, I think seeing some sort of like messed up contrived stuff that's like just trying to capture the vibe of whatever people are talking about. Definitely. Yeah, that, that's a turn off to say the least. Yeah. And, you know, we're in the industry of fashion where that's a lot of it. You know, I mean, and I think that's the thing. It's like we try to keep as outliers of that where I think we're less interested in that side of the industry. And that's why we kind of went so heavy in the cultural side of it, like the film. And yeah. then it's almost like I want you to be shocked that we make product, like fashion product or menswear product or whatever. You know what I mean? It's like the opposite. Right. It's like, why would a movie theater make these like alpaca sweaters? You know, <laughs> like, I think that's cool. Not like, oh, uh, these clothing brand has a movie theater. <laughs> yeah. Like how, how many people work at Braindead? There's probably 50 altogether with our sales, like our sales staff for our stores. But there's probably like 11 okay. in office. That's that's actually way bigger than I thought. I mean, because it, you know, it, it looks like it's just a few dudes in a in a garage. But then you see everything that you guys create and you're like, this is impossible. I mean, it feels like, like it, that. It still feels like yeah. that. Like it feels like I don't know how to be a boss. I feel like that all the time. And I feel like oh, okay. it's just like all of us are just like making shit i have people in the company i feel like are more the boss than i am you know what i mean you're just like oh that's crazy but like you know i think that's the cool part is just like i i wouldn't want it either any other way i think it needs to keep somewhat small yeah i mean i think that's that's the thing too especially when you look at a lot of these huge brands like the one i was talking about to where they're like kind of stuck in the sense that i think all of us now one we want to patronize like people over brands you know, I think a lot of people that that buy stuff from Brain Dead and are fans of Brain Dead feel like they're friends of yours. That's cool. Just be whether or not you know them, <laughs> right? But I feel like there's this thing where it's like, yeah, dude, like Kyle's my boy, and it's like, well, if I talk to him, he he might he might not know who you are, and that that's but that's fine, I guess. But it's like there's that connection that people have that buy your product, and these bigger brands, like I'll just pick on Gucci for example, like it, it's it's everywhere, and it's also kind of in some ways like it appears to be soulless at times. And I know that I'm not trying to be cruel, but I feel like they're just, it's so big. So like, what, what are you, what are you connecting? Like, what is the source? What is that? Yeah. And I think, you know, that's, that's the hard part about like the fashion industry. You have to constantly make product and figure out what the marketing ploy is. I think the, their biggest issue right now is that they're all wanting to be like a streetwear company. Like they're reassessing yeah. everything they do. 
but then everyone in streetwear wants to be a fashion company. So yeah. there's this really <laughs> weird perspective where um, it just sucks. <laughs> like that's what sucks. It's like everything sucks in that form because you're not getting the progressive nature of fashion and you're not getting the cultural side of streetwear, right? So it's just like yeah. nothing matters. You know, I actually have been more interested in like utilitarian wear again, like stores like Mr. Freedom and like Self Edge and Saren Strange and like all these stores. Cause it's like, these are stores that carry product. that are just like great product. And it's like, yeah, you know, the thing that's missing sometimes from these stores are like the cultural side of it. It's like all the conversations about like how that product is made. So that's like going to mm. the record store to me. It's like, yeah, I'm not, I'm going to the record store. I'm buying the record. They know everything about the music. This is really cool. Or I'm going to like a, a, a I'm going to let's say like a, a nabe store where I want to buy like a nice like ceramic nabe like pot, and they'll know everything <laughs> yeah. like it's made in Japan and it's like this ceramic and this clay from this like volcanic whatever right. <laughs> it's like cool. This is sick. I love this. It's a product. It's quality product. But yeah. I think that's the thing is like. I go to those stores as that, like when I buy a pair of jeans or whatever, or I buy like a really nice loop wheeler shirt, I'm buying it like I'm buying a ceramic cup, you know, or like a really beautiful crafted item. And I think, again, like that's the best product made in apparel, in my opinion, but it's not considered fashion, nor is it considered streetwear, which is interesting. Yeah. It's utilitarian. But yeah, I kind of never thought of it like that. That's a really good point. <laughs> you know, it's just really yeah. weird because like at the time when American and Heritage was really popular, it was it just made that was the narrative. It's like made here, crafted with pride. Like, you know, <laughs> this is the look of this guy or whatever. This is style yeah. motorcycles. And then once you're like, oh, I don't have to be like a character. It lost its steam. Like when, you know, obviously when we all know it kind of died. <laughs> But yeah, now yeah. it's like, oh, heritage sounds crazy. Like we're just laughing because Danny Masterson, who now is fully canceled, he had a store called Confederacy. That's insane. And that was in Los Feliz. <sighs> and I'm just like, holy shit. And my friend Casey Weisenbacher, one of my best friends and sales director, he was like, we're just couldn't stop laughing because we're like, how did how was there this store called Confederacy? Confederacy. Yeah, I didn't think of that either. Uh, <laughs> yeah, there's there's a lot of hindsight or, you know, looking back at that. Yes, even stuff that I've done or liked or, you know, whatever. Of course. That I'm like, ooh, yeah. I, I don't think I was as informed as I would have liked to have been. You know, it's, but yeah, you're, you're, you're absolutely right. I mean, I think when we look at some of this stuff, there's, there's a lot of, may, maybe there should have been a little bit more thought on some of these things. Well, I, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I love that stuff. And I think the pro- the thing is, it's like, it is the baseline of basically like speaking upon a thing that has existed that you know is cool, right? And that's mm-hmm, the base. Mm-hmm. But then it just doesn't really have, it's hard to create the legs if you're just hearkening to the past. And like, now we're all looking back to, you know, people are looking to the Y2K, like 90s, and that's popping right now. Yeah. But like, what are a lot of these brands who just use that as their bread and butter, what are they going to do once that's gone? You know what I mean? So everyone's just chasing the tail of the dog. And I think the key is to create new culture by creating the playgrounds for the culture to exist. And all these can live in the culture, but you need to show that people can make up their own mind and that you're not just like, uh, you know, just squeezing out the heritage of something from before. Dude, that is the best take I've heard in eons. <laughs> I mean, serious. Like that, that's, it's, I think the playgrounds is, so important 
especially when you look at the future of art and you know yeah because i mean if we're just chasing trends then like what are we and who's who who's setting those trends anyway i mean i i think you know there there's a there's a thurston moore quote where he just talks about how capitalist and youth culture and how like youth have always set the culture like the young and He's like, I think we have to destroy the bogus capitalist culture that's that's going after youth culture. You know, it's um even I think there was a band called Radio Department that used like his line in one of their songs, you know, and you're like, damn, like you're absolutely right. Like there's, you know, creating the environments for that stuff to exist and thrive. I mean, that's well, I mean, that's your brand. There you go. Congratulations. Well, that's the whole point. It has to be like I always say ethical capitalism. It's like we all need to make money to survive and be successful. Yep. But at the end of the day, it's like, what's your give back? Like, you know, you could hate your Republican dad, you know, for being like, I want to like, oh, well, I don't want to pay taxes. But like, I'd rather give it to a charity. Are you giving it to a charity? Are you? Is that, is that what you're doing? <laughs> but like for me, it's like, oh, OK, well, fuck you. Like, I'm going to actually do this. I'm going to create a nonprofit and give back. So like. I think a lot of the things I do also is also from like spite or just like to be like, oh, like I remember my dad saying that. And I'm like, you know, I love my dad. So when I say this, it's just like before he'd be like, yeah, you're he's okay. like a full libertarian right wing guy or before like kind of culturally liberal. But like you'd say something like that, like some tax paying shit He's like, oh, well, I donate this. It's like, yeah, but what I want to show you is that I can have a business that makes money in this country. And basically, I have a responsibility to give back. So we'll do a nonprofit that helps, you know, kids have access to the outdoors and basically try to open free climbing gym, right? That's my goal, mm-hmm. right? And that's not about me trying to make money. Like our, you know, we do this thing with Arcteryx and I haven't done mm-hmm. one collaboration that's for profit with them. And I don't even care. You know what I mean? Because at the end Dang. of the day, it's like, if that's what my life is about, is like trying to figure out how to collaborate with Arcteryx to make like a jacket, like who am I? <laughs> You're a, a different brand. Yeah. It's just like, I don't <laughs> fucking care. Like, I love their stuff, but it's like, I'd rather care about the culture of climbing. I care about the things that I love, which is the activity. And yeah, maybe one day we will make a jacket or we'll make clothes. But like, we, you know, we're on year one and a half or whatever. And we just put on these amazing climbing comps where we're raising money for kids to have access to climbing. This is for All Rise? Yeah, All Rise. Yeah. Just to, to plug it yeah, yeah. directly. All Rise. Yeah. 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 And All Rise is people don't know all rice is just like a nonprofit. I started with Ashima Shirashi, who's a amazing climber from New York. Um, and it, we started our relationship when she was at North face and now she climbs for Arcteryx and Grayson Leonard, who um, has a gym in long beach. And, you know, again, like during 2020, we realized that a lot of the big problem was that we felt climbing and outdoor companies didn't really care about the culture. They're just marketing to people of color and people of color and calling it like city collections or like urban collections. And we were just super confused Ouch. of like why there wasn't more reasons to actually build or show context that people from the cities can climb, which they do climb. So yeah, we yeah. just want to raise money to give access to people who don't have the access financially to do that or the tools or the equipment. And our characters was lovely enough to help us put on these events where we have thousands of people come through and you know, raise money to do this. Yeah. I mean, you, you, the, you did the all rise fest last year. Yeah. Um, I mean the Tim Heidecker thing, that's pretty yeah, sick. That's awesome. Big, yeah. So, I mean, but I think it, that's great. And I think there is, it's interesting. Cause I do feel like there's a standard that's now 
kind of set amongst many brands in which you do have to have some form of uh, ethical or humanitarian way that you can give back, especially when you look at younger audiences to where it's like you don't want to patronize a brand that isn't doing something that's making the world a little bit better. You know, um, I mean, it's very, very true from, you know, whatever dumb Harvard research someone wants to cite or whatever. I mean, it, it's it's a part of that. Um, but I, I mean, I think it's great that that you guys are doing that, especially considering it's not really something that you plug that often. I mean, well, that's the thing. There's a, you know, like people talked about greenwashing or like this idea yeah. of like, you know, like woke retail or whatever. But I think the thing about it, it's like not that's what I'm saying. You could tell when it just smells like fish. It just stinks. It's just like, yo, like that's not really the case. You know what I mean? Where you're like, ah, I don't know about that. You know what I mean? It's like it doesn't need to be marketed to. Like our story is that yes, we should communicate this stuff, but then it's hey, I don't yes. need to always tell you what I'm doing on the day to day with that project. Like we raise money, we donate the money. Yes, we'll show receipts, but like the day to day, I'm not being like. And look at this, like, oh, like people will hit us up. Like, what are you doing for Pride Month? I'm like, I don't know. I, like, I don't have like, it's not like a marketing calendar thing. It's like when it comes down to it and we feel like we need to do something, we'll do it. But I'm not going to release like a Pride shirt because that's like what Nike is doing, right? Like, it's like, right. that's not, right. that's just them marketing to you, not like, and they might have good intentions. I'm not trying to shit on them. I'm just saying like, as a big company, that's what companies have to do, but yeah. it's not what we need to do. Like, like the gay community is awesome, and we have you know amazing you know uh, people you know friends who are all, you know who are queer LGBTQ like who work for us. Like that's our support. They're nor they're they're our people. Like we are yeah. that. You know what I mean? And like I don't know. I don't feel like I need to make that product. You know what I mean? It's just they're. In, Inclusive to the culture. Yeah, I think I think it, it's more. It's not about doing a one-off thing. It's about living a certain way and and existing a certain way. And yeah, like I know exactly what you mean. Like you know, my wife just got back from New York, and uh, she was telling me she's like, yeah, she's like, you know, because it's Pride or Pride yeah. Month, and she's like, you know, I think it's just so interesting. She's like, all these companies just change their logos to rainbows for a month and think that it's that they did it. You know, it's like Bank of America has a rainbow logo right now in in areas where there's higher concentrations of of uh, LGBTQ, you know, individuals. And it's like, there we go. We did it, guys. Well, it's also, <laughs> logo change. It's, also, it's over. It's also funny because it's like, I don't I don't know. Maybe I'm just also not that consumer. But it's like that doesn't do anything besides sell your own brand. Like, it's yeah, not, you're exactly right. It's not like that's, Brando that's needs a point. rainbow head to be like, oh, we love, you know, the queer community you know what i mean yeah no you're exactly i, right. I think like it's like i don't know like sometimes it gets really crazy and i know it's like a fine line but like yeah i don't know like i can't tell you like you know the whole bud light discussion super funny because it's like they're losing money or oh whatever or they you know people yeah. say that and they're like talking shit it's like who cares like at the end of the day it's like they just need to do what they want to do like but like if they're overthinking like oh we can never do that again like i don't know like i don't know if they're like, this is a loss or this is a win, who cares? It's not about that. It's just like, let it, like you, you made your decision. That's great. Like have, like who cares? Yeah. I, the interesting thing to me was that like they responded, you know? Yeah. And I mean, we don't have to harp on this, you know, but like. Well, that's the problem. And I, I guess this whole thing is kind of what we're talking about. Like, if you don't like this from us, you don't need to participate in it. If you like this from yeah. us, you can participate in it. Like we, we just do what we like and everyone's different. 
If you love country music and I love hip hop, great. If you both like that and we have something to talk about, even better. Like, you know, I mean, like yeah. that's the interesting. We're all different. So like that's, you know, I think that's the problem is everyone wants to be like, it's again, like that, like highly curated, like this is who I am. You know what I mean? And yeah, everyone needs to find more individuality and that's it. Yeah. That's that's very beautiful, honestly. Um, well, I want to be conscious of your time. No, I know you got to yeah. hit the road, but you know, I was gonna say we can go ahead and wrap. Um, before we do, though, is there anything you want to add or mention or plug or discuss that I didn't bring up? You know, the thing that we're really focused on next year is like I'm really going back to like a lot of the products we made before, like going back to like the kind of reaching that quality made products. You know, what I mean, like I believe like mm-hmm. we're going to tackle denim this year in a really big way. And basically make the $280 denim in the way we think is better than anyone, you know, and we're going to oh, do sick. outerwear, you know, like really beautiful 6040 outerwear and like take on this idea of like juxtaposing what you expect from us and make something totally different. And I think I'm really excited about that stuff. Yeah, like we'll be launching the denim probably like in two months, but, you know, we're using some of the most beautiful Japanese denim and some made from with Vidalia and um, it's all made by one of my sewers and contractors that has been working for me for 15, 16 years. So like, it's really cool to go back to, he used to make Rising Sun, if you remember that brand, that, oh my the God. denim. And like, yeah. he knows how to make them so beautiful, has the beautiful Reese machine. So like, I'm really going back to like the times of experiment, of going back to like when I used to be in the factories, just like focus on making the most quality goods. Like as much as I cared about the theater and film, I need to go back to making what I think could be the pinnacle of branded products. Yeah, I mean, I think that's, dude, I mean, I'm, I'll am i get in line for that in a heartbeat. Jeez, I mean, because, yeah, stuff like, especially now, I think it's interesting with like, I don't think there's ever been a period ever in my life where I wasn't like actively buying denim yeah. or outerwear, you know, like I'll, I'll get into suits and then I'll pause and then, you know, I'll get into some random stuff or Rick Owens and then I'll pause. But like, I'm always buying jeans t-shirts hoodie you know of course whatever it's it's like i can't not do it and i give shit away i want to be clear i'm not like you know just stockpiling stuff but like yeah it's so like anytime there's new stuff you know along those lines like i'm i'm always am yeah so i'm psyched especially the 60 40 shit man like sierra designs yeah i mean i that's what i'm trying to say is like i think there's an element of these things i love where like i think the whole like overt super high technical stuff is so cool but there's an element where I'm just very interested in going back to like the idea of the outdoors not having to be about technology, but about feeling and soul, right? And it's like mm. on technology. It's like my old brand, Folk Technology. It's like, that's what I want to go back to as yeah. a mindset. So the whole season for spring, summer that we're showing is about Folk Technology and just showcasing that. And like, that will be like, we'll be going more to that with Brain Dead's Cut and Sew product. And then, you know, really um, building upon that into the future and into this year. And there's a lot of really crazy collaborations that you guys hopefully will be excited about into the early. Oh, dude, I'm I'm if it's anything like the stuff you've done in the past, yeah. like I'm, I'm amped. So, so thank you, man. Cool. Yeah. So that's going to be really exciting. But um, I can't wait to show the denim. And I think that's one the, the most pride I've had in something um, maybe ever because I just love it so much. And I think, um, you know, we you know, again, like, it's like, we don't want to be a fashion company. We want to be more in the vein of like the way we looked at the utilitarian companies, but with the brand behind it, right. To be like, Oh, this is a brand that loves this music. They love these films and whatever. And then they make 
the best denim. Yeah. Hell yeah. Well, I'm I'm amped. Yeah, man. Well, thank you so much for for doing of this. Of course. <laughs> Kyle, it was it was great to meet you. I really, really appreciate this, man. I'll talk to you soon. Thanks, buddy. Okay, that's it. Thanks for listening. Our show is produced by Blamo Media. We're edited by Amar Lal and our music by Breakmaster Cylinder. And uh, we're listened to by uh, by you. So if you want more shows, dig into the archive. And if you want to get really wild, join us on Patreon for more hot content. We got exclusive shows. Blamo presents Derek Guy, the Triple J Show, and our amazing, incredible, lovely Slack community. All right, folks, have a great week. <laughs>